0: False Chance Ranch by Ranger and Rolf. Chapter 9, Part 1 There was bright sun outside when Dale woke. He reached for his watch on the bedside table and found it approaching 11am. It had been shortly after 7 when Flynn had sent him upstairs with orders to undress and go back to bed. The whole of the early part of this morning seemed now like some strange, aborted day distinct from this one, save that his butt was still extremely sore. Dale ran a cautious hand over the damage, which was very warm. He'd fallen asleep on his stomach, having always previously believed that needing to do so after a spanking was nothing more than a myth in books and films, merely dramatic emphasis. It was unfortunately quite true. The door creaked softly and Dale looked up as Paul glanced in. He smiled when he caught Dale's eye, but signaled to be quiet. Come and get dressed downstairs. Jasper's still asleep. It was interesting that the other two weren't. Dale showered and shaved in the bathroom off the kitchen, and found Paul sitting at the kitchen table with a mug of tea and a notepad and pen in front of him, and another mug of tea and a sandwich waiting at dale's usual place paul nodded towards it i don't know if it's breakfast or lunchtime, so i compromised he was interrupted by the sound of riley's voice raised and yelling from the yard beyond the porch not that you'd frickin care anyway pardon me for frickin breathing oh drat paul said exasperatedly paul said exasperatedly getting up and going fast out the door dale followed him riley was standing face to face with flynn outside the stables fists balled while Flynn looked as if he'd been carved from granite. His voice was deep and grim, much grimmer than Dale was used to. Riley, I'm warning you. That's more than enough, Paul said before Riley could answer, going straight across the yard to get between them. Stop it, both of you. Flynn, go do what you need to do. Flynn stepped back, turned on his heel, and walked towards the corral. Riley didn't try to get past Paul, but yelled after his back. Which has run away, which you always— Paul turned him around by the arm and swatted him, hard across the seat of his jeans, which not only made him yelp and squirm away, but also to stop dead and look at Paul with tears in his eyes. "'Ow!' "'I told you to leave him alone,' Paul said in the firm way Dale was starting to recognize as Paul's version of really cross. "'You know that it's as unfair as it is unkind, and I'm not arguing with you. You can go stand and face the wall in the porch until I tell you, and you can calm down. Now, Riley, unless you want to go over my knee.' Riley gave him a look of mixed pout and clear belief that Paul meant it, and trudged unwillingly towards the porch. Paul rolled his eyes skyward at Dale, took his hand and walked them into the kitchen, shutting the door on Riley in the yard. "'I may be forced to drop both of them in the horse trough. Sit down and eat, Dale. You must be starving. Take no notice of those two. It's mostly noise.' "'I thought Flynn would still be asleep,' Dale said as delicately as possible, still somewhat alarmed by what he'd just seen. He took a seat at the table, finding himself sitting very gingerly. It was hard to believe how sore he was. Paul sat down, too, picked up his dropped pen and tapped it on the notepad, looking regretful. Flynn doesn't do scared well, or any strong emotion, really. This is the fallout from you two having worried him this morning. He usually tries not to be around us when he's in one of these moods. Riley can't help but take it personally, and he can't stop himself picking at Flynn to get a reaction because he hates Flynn being withdrawn. And it's right when Flynn is really not up to being patient with him. They end up at each other's throats unless Flynn gets right out of the way, but they'll make it up as soon as Flynn's calmed down. They neither of them hold grudges. It was not a pleasant thought to have contributed to having upset Flynn so badly. Paul saw his expression and leaned over to touch Dale's face, his eyes soft. Don't blame yourself, honey. Flynn gets like this. He can't help it. It's just how he reacts with the people he cares about, and it gets him still more upset if he thinks he's affecting us. The best thing you can do is leave him alone and he'll come back when he's ready. Look, I can't imagine you want to sit anywhere much this morning. Take the mug and sandwich, and go help Riley. He's cleaning out the barn when he's not trying to drive Flynn mad don't run yourself ragged, for goodness sake. I will keep an eye on you. Dale got up gratefully, and Paul watched, suddenly putting a hand out to him. Dale, Flynn said you and he talked this morning. Are you okay? Okay. The confusion had lifted to the point where Dale found himself wondering for a moment what Paul could think the problem was. He managed to nod, and Paul got up, giving him a swift and tight hug that held more affection and comfort than Dale was quite sure how to handle. Good. If you've got questions or worries, for goodness' sake, come and talk to me. Don't chew on them by yourself. Riley was standing with his nose to the porch wall, and Paul preceded Dale out of the kitchen door, turning Riley around by the arm. If you can remember that I mean what I say, young man, you can go and carry on to the barn. Riley muttered something apologetic, avoiding Dale's eye, and jogged down the steps towards the open barn doors. He had shifted half the machinery and equipment out of the barn into the yard, and was manhandling some other unidentifiable yellow painted object when Dale caught up with him. He put the mug of tea and sandwich down on top of one of the items that looked as if it was designed to moor ships somewhere out at sea, and went to help, silently taking the other side and helping Riley haul it out into the yard. Riley glanced at him as they walked back inside, brushing his hands off. Mad at me? No? Dale raised an eyebrow at him, surprised. Riley gave him an embarrassed shrug, pink about the face. That whole mess this morning was kind of my fault. I knew what we were doing and how it was probably going to end. Dale picked up the tea, cupping his hands around it. It's done now and over with. No sense in worrying about it. I wish I could say that so cleanly, Riley said with sincerity. You're still worried that Flynn's angry with you? Dale interpreted aloud. Riley gave him another, and yet more embarrassed, shrug. I hate how he gets. I couldn't sleep. Too sore. And he got himself into a mood, as he does, so he couldn't sleep either. And when I came down, he wouldn't look at me, and whatever you say to him, he only grunts. I can't stand that. It isn't you he's upset with. Dale said when he trailed off. Riley gave him a watery smile. I know. Paul keeps saying, but that's how it feels. And he needed more from Flynn in order to feel forgiven. Dale found that difficult to understand. Flynn had been anything but angry or resentful, It had been plain in his face and his voice, as it always was. It was odd that Riley couldn't read it. I hate that frickin' paddle, Riley added, rubbing very cautiously at the seat of his jeans as he went to the next item that needed moving. The wooden one's bad enough, that's lived in the damn drawer for donkeys' years. That was Phillips, but the Lexan one stings. This is going in the yard, too. We might as well clear everything out of here. The whole place needs sweeping and scrubbing out properly. It took most of the afternoon. Jasper came out early afternoon, checked in on them, and then rode out to cover the south pastures. Paul came in and out as he worked around the yard, but mostly they were left alone to get on with it, and with a rather guilty sense of pleasure, Dale buried himself in the repetitive physical labor in a way that Flynn hadn't allowed him to do for several weeks. It's like trying to keep up with a machine, Riley complained, pausing for breath with the hose still running and watching Dale sweep water ahead of him into the yard. I don't think anyone's missed you at work. They're probably all still dropped in chairs exhausted, saying thank God he's gone. I haven't sat down since Christmas. A month ago, that would have hurt. Now, Dale grinned, flicking the broom at Riley enough to splash him, and Riley promptly flicked the hose at him in return, catching Dale, who dodged, and Flynn's legs as he came into the barn. He raised his eyebrows at Riley, who usually would have laughed but Dale saw the half-wary, half sullen look he cast in Flynn's direction. Oh, didn't see you. Flynn didn't look at him, instead jerking his head at Dale. Out? You've done more than enough? He's fine, Riley snapped back, and I'm not doing this all by myself, either. You more than deserve to, Flynn said shortly. Dale, now. Riley stilled the hose in his hand. Dale found himself stepping between Riley and Flynn before he'd fully realized what he was doing and turning off the hose of the tap on the wall before he took it from Miley's hand, ending any possibility for this discussion getting suddenly worse. Riley scowled, but took the broom from him and started to sweep with rough, vicious strokes. Obviously you're still in a lousy mood, then. If Flynn heard, he didn't answer. Dale followed him out into the yard, where Leo was tethered, and Flynn nodded shortly at the porch step. Take a seat. That was not inviting. Dale sat with caution, wincing, and Flynn cast another look at him. Paul clearly hasn't had much of an eye on you this afternoon. You're going to be sitting a while to make up for that. You know better. I could have tried harder to be careful, Dale admitted. The repetitive, organizing stuff is the easiest to get lost in. It's too satisfying. And I think I was supposed to be taking Roddy's mind off things. Flynn didn't answer, taking a curry comb to Leo. Dale leaned his elbows on his knees on the step and watched him, shoulders working tirelessly, face grim. He was often taciturn when he was busy. The only time he ever really showed expression was when he was talking to Jasper, Paul, or Riley. But sometimes the most forbidding expressions came just when he was being particularly kind, as if a mask had to cover over and keep secret what he was doing. His eyes were where you looked if you wanted to see what he really meant, and Dale found himself wondering how Riley, who lived with Flynn, could be so easily fooled. Flynn was neither angry nor resentful right now. Dale watched him and saw something else entirely, something that raised a good deal of sympathy in him he doesn't do scared well that was paul's verdict and paul had learned over the years not to try to talk to him or to do anything but give him the quiet and space to bring himself around He gets grouchy like you wouldn't believe when he goes into protect the herd mode stud stallion defend you no matter what but won't think twice about kicking you out of his way while he's doing it riley's verdict was more pictorial and oddly accurate watching bandit trample the cougar this morning had been a shocking insight on how deadly the most good-tempered stallion could be when his herd was threatened and even Flynn and Jasper had moved out of his way and waited for him to be ready before they tried going near the cougar's body. I wonder how Jasper sees this. Sitting was decidedly painful. Dale got up from the step, coming over to lean on the sun-warm portrayal near nearer Flynn. "'Is quartz a local stone here?' he said after a while, picking up on a wandering thought that had crossed his mind a few times. I was looking at the can out by the lake the other day when Riley and I were down there. Flynn cast a brief look across at him. "'The pink quartz is local, yes.' His tone was grim, but it wasn't discouraging. Dale leaned his chin on his arms, stooped over the rail. The can's a beautiful thing. I've seen corporations pay a fortune for sculptures like that in foyers of buildings, and they don't look nearly so striking. When was that built? It was started before my time. Flynn ducked under Leo's neck to continue brushing his other side. We finished ourselves when Philip died. We had the stone cut from up near the falls. It's where Philip and David are buried. That explained, in an instant, their love of the place. Flynn, who went there to talk when a serious conversation was to be had. Riley, who loved to go there alone, to swim. Jasper, who lay in the grass to watch wolves there at night. Paul, who went to sit by the water and over plots for his books. "'I didn't realize,' Dale said softly. Flynn changed brushes, eyes on Leo. "'It's one of the favorite places on the ranch. Philip told me once, they used to go out and sleep down there by the lake when the nights were hot in the summer. I told you there are other people who lived here with Philip and David at some point in their lives.' Most of them came back in the last few days when Philip was near the end. Everyone flew out here and collected in the house and sat with him, and we kept each other company. About fifteen of us finished building the cairn and took Philip down there in the wagon. A few weeks later, there was a memorial service, and we had several hundred people out here. Business clients, all kinds of people, but it was just us who said goodbye to him. From Flynn's tone, Dale wondered whether Flynn had come anywhere near the several hundred people, or had anything to do with them at all that day. And that was where David was buried, he asked. Flynn gave him a brief nod. That was where they chose together, though that actually wasn't where David chose to be when he died. No, Dale looked up, curious. Flynn looked towards Paul, who had come up from the crowd while they had been talking. Paul was here. He knows the histories better than me. Marginally, Paul said mildly, taking a seat on the porch steps by Dale and picking a few dead heads from the flowering herbs in the pots, David did pretty much what David always did and was damn awkward. His tone was more affectionate than exasperated. Dale listened, chin on his arms. Paul gathered up the dead flowers in his hand. He was fairly frail towards the end. He could just about walk with a stick, and he was tall, so we were scared stiff about the damage he'd do if he fell. Philip laid down the law to him about being careful, and I watched him like a hawk, and we made up a bedroom for them in the study downstairs because we were so worried about him going up and down the stairs, which he was not pleased about. He gave us hell for weeks over that. Knowing Riley, that was somehow quite easy to imagine. Paul saw Dale's smile and returned it, propping his elbow on his knees. I always went into their room about 5 a.m. because he was usually awake and desperate for a drink by then, and he hated waking Philip and breaking his sleep to ask for anything. And one morning, when I went in, he was gone. Philip was still asleep and hadn't heard him leave. I searched the whole house for him, not a sign. Then I got everyone else up, and we all looked, and we found that somehow he'd gone to the stables, he'd taken Tack down to the corral, and how he did it I'll never know, it must have been sheer determination. And he'd taken a horse, and gone. Flynn was still grooming Leo, but he was watching Paul and listening. Riley had drifted over from the open barn door and was standing with his hands dug in his pockets. Dale leaned on the rail, spellbound. Paul twisted the dead herbs over his fingers. Philip would usually have been threatening to wring his neck, but I think he knew. We all went out to look. I went with Philip as he wasn't saying much, and we found him. He'd picked one of the places he'd always gone to hang out when he wanted to be by himself. The horse was grazing, and David was sitting against a rock, face to the sun, no hat on as usual and he'd slipped away maybe an hour before. Philip sat up there with him for a while. The doctor said afterwards it was almost as if he'd decided today is the day. Paul looked up and gave Dale a brief smile, understanding his expression. David said to me he didn't want it to happen in the house. He didn't want Philip to have to deal with that, and he'd been outdoors for most of his life. He loved the ranch. The thing was, Philip found a note afterwards. David left it upstairs on their bed for him, and he didn't date it so we don't know if he wrote it that morning or the night before or when it might have been. They were sleeping downstairs for several months before he died, so no one much went into the room from day to day. And how David got himself upstairs and down again without falling, or any of us spotting him? Will of iron, Flynn said dryly. Paul smiled. Obstinate as a mule was mostly how Philip put it. Among other things, David used to yell at him about he ought to be ashamed of himself, maltreating an old man whenever Philip told him off, and that he'd waited forty years to be able to use that excuse with justification. Brat, Flynn commented, giving Paul a brief smile. Oh, yes, Paul got up, gathering up the fragments of dropped herb. You know, we ought to go down and eat by the lake one night. Now the weather's getting better. Summer's nearly here. Tonight, Riley said at once. Paul looked at Flynn. It's warm, and the light won't go much before nine. And we will had to stib nights. Flynn shook off the brushes in his hands. At the weekend, the forecast for Saturday is hot. Riley muttered something about stuffed shirts, and Flynn paused as he passed Riley, hesitated for a second so short that Dale barely saw it then hooked arm around Riley's neck, careful to keep his dusty and oily hands away, and kissed his forehead. You live. Go in and watch up if you done, Half-Pint. You done a good job there. The emphatic hug he got from Riley was mute, but took no dose at all of dirt. Paul held open the door for Dale as they moved out of your shot of the others, and Dale was surprised at the wry of the look Paul gave him. I don't know how you did that, but you can write out instructions for the rest of us. The sky was a solid electric blue overhead when Dale finished dressing, made his bed, and came down to breakfast on Saturday morning. The kitchen doors and windows already stood open downstairs. It was cool, but in the quiet, gathering way that meant that in a few hours it would be hot, and a faint haze hung over the grass in the meadows beyond the window when already the night dew was evaporating from the ground. "'This is a good day to move the mares,' Flynn said while they were eating. Riley made a stifled whoop of what sounded like approval through a mouthful of bacon, and Paul nodded calmly. The summer grass is already on the south pastures, and they're ready to come down. "'I'll ride up through these pastures, look them over, and meet you up on the tops,' Jasper said, getting to his feet and taking the remainder of his toast with him. "'Flynn, are you planning to bring in any of the two-year-olds to work?' "'There's America's Roan Colt,' Paul said thoughtfully. "'And tomorrow's last year's foal with the white socks. We haven't handled them much since they went up on the tops for the winter, and they're ones that we'll be looking at buyers for. We talked about starting them early instead of waiting for the fall.' "'And Pockets' Colt,' Riley added." We're going to look at him as a riding horse for us. He had a lot of sense when we were halter-training him last year. I'll get him, Jasper offered. Rye, if you come up with the others from the south, I'll come across and down from these pastures. Between us, we ought to figure out where they are. They've been hanging out around the pine groves last few days, Riley said cheerfully, getting up to pull his riding boots on by the door. Out where the bluebells and the spring flowers are. I saw several of them gorging the other day, knee-deep. Who am I getting out, Flynn? Leah for me, Flynn got up, collecting dishes to take to the sink. "'Naked, hammer, snickers. Jazz, I'm guessing you'll want Gucci.' "'If I've got to catch up with Bandit and the rest of you, yes. I'll hope Bandit's too busy to pay attention to her.' Jasper pulled a hat down from the rack by the door and winked at Dale, disappearing down the porch. "'Turn the rest of the crowd out into the stable past you,' Flynn said to Riley. "'Fill the feed racks and leave the gate open.' we "'Will do.' Riley followed Jasper, whistling as he ran down the porch steps. "'Leave the dishes,' Paul said to Dale as he began to help clear the table. "'I'll deal with him later. This is a full-day expedition.' It's a bit of a year landmark to us, that's why we get so excited about it. It's the first real day of summer when the mares come down. It was the first time Dale had ridden out with them as a full group. The dogs were left on the porch, depressed and sulky, but obedient. Bandit doesn't like them, Riley explained as they mounted up, and they can start the mares running if they spook one. You don't run them, Dale asked, having no idea what he was about to see. Riley shook his head. Never when they're heavily in full or with little foals in the group, and we usually don't anyway unless there's an emergency. Sometimes Bandit decides to run them, and then we are pretty much have to go along with it, but he won't while they're in full like this. It was a long ride up to the tops so that took the best part of an hour and a half while the temperature went from just below pleasantly cool to actively warm. Jasper separated from them at the first gate and went east to ride through the pastures where the sheep and cattle grazed on the far side of the river. The gates they passed through they left wide, the gates wedged well back before they rode on. There was no sign of horses on the wide, green plateau by the river where the herd had been when the cougar was stalking them from the riverbank. "'Did you see any more of the hunter that was up there?' Dale asked as they passed the spot. Flynn shook his head. "'Jazz said he'd seen him a couple of times, and that he was never carrying a gun. He'd had a lone nutcase up here stalking whatever it is he's interested in, while there's a few of them camping out together east into the woods. We'll keep an eye out. They'd better not go bothering our stock, but we've got better things to do than look for naturalists trying to get eaten by cougars.' "'I think they've gone further west,' Riley said, standing in stirrups to see a greater distance.' The land as it spread north and west grew hillier, and there were dips and valleys that hid horses entirely from sight until you were nearly on them. They rode on for nearly half an hour before Paul turned naked's head, indicating. There they are, that's the brood mares. I think I'm gonna stop it there. It's kind of a <laughs> it's kind of a cliffhanger, as much as as much as it gets. But you know, it's all good. It's interesting how Dale is clicking into the group because he defused the situation with Flynn and Flynn and Riley so quickly and with such subtly. I don't know. It's a smart man as Dale Aden.